Behind every success story, there is a long line of triumphs and defeats that remain hidden from others. These stories get condensed into journeys that minimize the struggle and wrap up with a happy ending. But we know that's not how life works. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about the challenges that Mark's guest faced and how they overcame adversity. Now, here is your host, Mark Azoulay. Welcome back to another episode of From the Ashes. I'm here with Darcy Loma and the founder of Thoughtfully Fit. You're a coach, a consultant, a speaker. I am really excited to talk to you because you take you know, physical fitness principles and apply them to the mind. And that's a really interesting take that I haven't quite seen. So welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Mark. It's so great to be here. So before we dive into the model, can you say a little bit about your From the Ashes story? What inspired you to do this type of work? I have um, loved helping people to be high performing since I can remember. And so that's my, my business is all around creating high performing people and teams. And I have been an athlete since uh, really seventh grade, skied in the junior Olympics and I've done an Ironman the last 23 years I've done uh, triathlons. And I noticed that the more I trained and practiced for any kind of a sporting event, the better I did and the easier it was. And so that's when the light bulb went off, Mark, with my clients, when they would come in, coaching clients, saying, oh, I'm struggling with this difficult conversation. I'm struggling saying no, setting boundaries. I'm not reacting thoughtfully when I'm blindsided. That's when I realized that the principles are the same. If you want to handle yourself thoughtfully, uh, you can train and practice to be able then to get those obstacles out of the way to be high performing in the same way that you can physically, you can do the same mentally. Yeah. So how have you applied that to yourself? Wait to start with the personal story here on the show. What was the obstacle that you had to overcome? Well, so I spent five years researching this model and in March of 2016, it was a Saturday, it came alive and we finalized it. And I was so excited. We called a strategic planning consultant and a media firm to put it out into the world in a big way. Five days later on Thursday afternoon, it was, it was March 17th. um, I got a phone call from my neighbor And I normally wouldn't pick up the phone, but I just, it's like my spidey sense told me to. I was at an event. So I stepped out into the hall and answered the phone. And she said, Darcy, what is going on at your house? I said, I I don't know. I'm not home. Why? There are 40 or 50 police cars and a SWAT team and officers with guns surrounding your house. And they just took John out barefoot in handcuffs and he wouldn't look at us. Yeah. When they, they took him away in the squad car. Oof is right. Mark. Um, I found out, uh, later that my husband of 10 years was arrested for sexual assault of a minor that he had met online Mm. and he was taken away that day and never came home. Wow. That is, that is tragic. So you're just on the brink of going to this next level and you get this unbelievable, it sounds like completely blindsiding event. Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, I was at my highest of high. I had spent so many 
thousands of hours researching and developing this softly fit model. And then I went to my, uh, I mean, lowest of low, I, I'm, I'm not even uh, kidding when I say this was the worst nightmare I could. I mean, it wasn't even a nightmare. I had never had a nightmare that, that was this bad. I was completely blindsided. Yeah. So can you walk us through the timeline? Like what happened after he was arrested? Yes. So um, they took him away and put him in jail. And I had to figure out what to do with my daughters because they had never in their life, they were eight and nine, gone an evening without their dad tucking them in, without him making them breakfast the next morning. He was supposed to be DJing their school sock hop at the elementary school that next day. Uh, I got home from um, my event and they had, uh, I couldn't get in the house because they were executing a search warrant. And so it was five or six hours later that they let me come home and everything was destroyed. Every closet, every you know, um, dresser drawer, everything was in the middle of the house. Um, and so that day, I had to figure out how to how to be a single parent, how to how to file for divorce, how to run my business. I, I, I remember my therapist saying, you know, you need to take some time off. I'll write a letter for you for work. And I'm like, ah, I work for myself. If I don't work, I don't get paid at a time when I had more legal bills, you know, tens of thousands of dollars and 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 growing by the day. So uh, to make a, a, a long story short, although I'm happy to, to share more details, um, my husband was um, convicted and sentenced to 10 years in prison. And um, the my daughters, I ended up um, sending them to another state to live with my sister because there were media trucks in front of the house and his mugshot all over the nightly news and in the papers. And um, I had to, you know, really figure out how to survive this. And, and I became ground zero to test drive thoughtfully fit because my attorney said, don't talk to anybody about anything. The charges were so severe. I had to have my own criminal defense attorney. Yeah, I mean, I think that speaks to the testament of the model too, that it was tested in fire. You know, yeah. it's really forged through this fire of, of this thing where, I mean, I can't imagine, but it sounds like your world just got shattered. And all of a sudden- It was you're shattered. Yeah. yeah, and it's not, I do not recommend that as the best go-to-market strategy. <laughs> right, I think that's, <laughs> doesn't need to be that intense. No. <laughs> right, and that's what, I mean, the model I developed- to help people with the hurdles, big and small, right? I mean, you get an email and somebody is criticizing you instead of pounding out a reply, you can handle yourself thoughtfully. Now, I, I ended up test driving it on the, the most extreme uh, hurdle and, and, it, and it got me through to the other side, to the place where I'm able to talk to you about it. Yeah, so what, how do you start to pick up the pieces? I'm, I'm hearing, right? It's like, how do you trust anything when the man you've been married for is doing something so egregious with no one knowing? And yeah, with kids involved and the media, I mean, I can't just, just, it sounds really intense. It was so intense. And, and, you know, being in that place of 
uh, social media, newspaper. Mm-hmm. I still got a news. I still get a newspaper delivered to my, you know, uh, driveway and his mugshot and on the nightly news, and then being told I can't talk to anybody, and then having my girls being shipped away, my husband gone, and in this house that was destroyed the week before we were going on a, a spring break trip. We were renting an RV. Um, so how did I pick up the pieces? Ooh, I got to tell you. I didn't do well at first. Mm. I, I, I hid. Um, I, I didn't sleep. I didn't eat. Then all I could do was sleep and not get out of bed. And all I could do was overeat. Um, right. I was going to these extremes. Right. Understandable. Yeah. Yeah. My, my first gut reaction was to, to work hard because I had these, these bills, right. Divorce attorney and and criminal defense attorney and child psychologist. And I hired a crisis communications firm to help me get through this. And I remember when the, the president of the, the, the crisis communications firm told me, Darcy, nobody will fault you for what your husband did but they will fault you for not being a present mom. And that like, oh, it just hit me. I'm like, wait, what? Now I'm not a good mom. What does that mean? And she's like, you got to stop working. You have to be present. You need to be here to be able to deal with this trauma and and to to deal with your own uh, therapy and make sure that you are um, not just like I was putting my head in the sand. I just wanted and I was working because I was scared. And if I if I don't work right, I don't I don't I don't have an income. There's no salary. So that really challenged me to. Um, to hit the pause button and to create some stillness. And I, I told her, I disagree. I, 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 don't, I don't see that as a good strategy at all, but I'm paying you to advise me when I'm not thinking clearly and I'm overwhelmed. So I'm going to do what you're suggesting. And I'll tell you, it was the best thing ever. At the time, it was horrible because I, I had to be with my feelings. I had to deal with the emotions and the trauma. I couldn't just sort of, you know, hide in the sand and, and be an autopilot. But I'm certain when you say, How, what did you do? That, I think, is what helped me to be at the place now where I am able to talk about it. I'm able to help others deal with their obstacles um, and not be in this really emotional, tenuous place. And I'm pretty certain if I hadn't hit the pause button, I, I would, I'd be a mess. I'd be a mess. Yeah, I think that's incredibly courageous to be able to slow down and feel that and really face those demons and pick up the pieces, not just for yourself, but for your daughters too. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm with your therapist. I, I'm with you. It sounds like that was 100% the right play is to focus on the foundation and to go into all those feelings that were getting repressed by work, which I'm sure you see, I see it so common in this culture, right? Just to like work your way into numbness, but that stuff is still there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, that, that's the the thing. If I, I would, I was wanting to just like, I mean, not ignore it, but just like be focused on, uh, on, on my keynotes and my trainings and my coaching clients and uh, be going through the motions. And it was a form of, of numbing out from the pain because to be betrayed in that extreme way was so painful. 
it was so painful. And then to have to figure out what do I tell my daughters? Mm -hmm. And, and the first child psychologist that I called, you would never believe what advice he gave me, Mark. Do you want to know what he told me? Yeah. What do you say? He said, tell your daughters that their dad went on vacation. Really? Just lie to them? Just just continue the lies? (laughs) Yes. I, I, I was like, are you kidding? I mean, I just said, thank you so much. I hung up the phone, but I'm thinking to my, cause I'm, I'm just like, clearly I'm not spending another minute with you right now. Yeah. Good thing he's your my, first and not your final. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cause I, I was like, why in the world would their dad just on a whim go on vacation the week before our spring break trip without telling them, without saying goodbye that they, they now need to trust me. I am their lifeline to the world at this yeah. moment. I cannot lie to them. That, that was clear to me. What wasn't clear to me is, okay, so if I'm not going to lie, what, what do I tell them? I mean, how do I know how to, how to share this, what happened at an age-appropriate level? So fast forward through three more child psychologists. The fifth one finally was somebody who I respected and I felt like could really advise me in a positive way. And that was, that was super helpful. Not only having that child psychologist, but also getting my own therapist to help me process um, all of the emotions and make a plan. Yeah, that's, that's great. And for those listening out there, definitely do your research. When you look at mental health professionals, there is a difference between good and bad ones. And it sounds like Darcy, you had a couple of bad experiences, but it's, great that you kept up and kept wanting to get help and advisement through these things. I did. I had some really bad ones. And that's why I tell people if if, if they have had a bad experience with therapy, I say, just keep going until you find the right chemistry and the right person to support you. Because having a, a, a a bad therapist, that might be worse than having no therapist, but I'm telling you, I agree. having a safe place to be able to process all of this. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know how I could have done it without that. So where are you with it now? I mean, you seem like you said, you're able to talk about it. You're able to yeah. use it to teach other people. I mean, that's, that's not recovery. I don't know what is, but I'm curious, where are you and your family now with all these situations? Yeah. Thanks for asking Mark. We are at peace. Um, and, and what I mean by that is it's, it's, it's our story, right? It's what happened. I, for the first, probably two years, I, I hid not only because there was a legal trial and my attorney said, don't talk to me, but I, because I was ashamed and I decided to go public because I hated that feeling of hiding when somebody I'd go out to lunch. I had a different last name. I didn't take my husband's last name when we got married and we'd be out at lunch and somebody would say, halfway through the lunch. So how are you? And I'd be like, do they know? Do they not know? Okay. If if they don't know, I don't want to say something, but if they do know, it'll be awkward if I just say, oh, I'm fine. So for me, the, the, the process of going through this and sharing my story helped me get to the place and my daughters as well, where they just own their story. This is their, this is their truth. And They've forgiven their dad. I have forgiven my ex-husband and we're in a place of um, living our life in this, this reality, this, this new chapter that, that we have found ourselves in. Yeah. That's really inspiring. 
that you can own it. And no, yeah, it's certainly going to have, you know, fallout and consequences, but it doesn't have to define who you are. It's still an incredibly awful thing, but it doesn't have to be a prison that you're stuck in, which it sounds like it was when your head was down in the sand. Ironically, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's where my my younger daughter last year in seventh grade had to write a memoir for school. And I kept saying, do you need help? She's like, I got it. I got it, mom. It's good. So she came home the day that she presented the memoir to her class. And I said, how did it go? She's like, well, I mean, it's hard talking in front of people, but it went fine. And I said, can I read it now? She's like, sure. So she hands me her iPad and I'm reading it. And it's, you know, all the things that would be typical of a 12 year old saying, talking about her teenage cat and her 4-H and her Girl Scouts and all of that. But then she gets to the place where she talks about when my dad was arrested and I had to go live in another state with my aunt, how hard that was to be in another school and to be away from my neighbors and my church. And so I, I, I read it and I said, Jaden, did you, did you share this? She's like, yeah. And I said, well, how was it received? She's like, well, afterwards, a couple of the boys came up to me and, and cause when she, her, her dad was arrested, she was in elementary school. Now she's in middle school. And they said, wait, your dad's in prison. And I said, yeah. Oh, what's that like? Oh, it's, it's weird. I mean, we go visit him. He's got a job. He makes 28 cents an hour cleaning the showers and you know, and it was just, they were like, oh, you want to go and play? They're owning their story. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how it's just another fact, just like having a cat and being in Girl Scouts. It's just it's like the same level of, uh, of relevance. Um, and I like how the friend responded too. I think my assumptions because your daughter owned it and wasn't, didn't have like a lot of tensity around it. The kids were like, oh, that's weird. Okay, moving on. Yeah. You know, like, you want to Yeah, it sort of lost the power, right? If she was hiding, they could have used that against her. Yeah, so that's an incredible story and an incredible endorsement for the Thoughtfully Fit model. We're going to move to our first commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the model, more about how it was developed, um, and hopefully let the uh, listeners see how they might apply to themselves. So if you're listening, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the other side of the commercial break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C, dash Azulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y, dot teachable.com. 
Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back. I'm sitting here with Darcy Loma, and we're talking about her model, Thoughtfully Fit, that applies you know, sports psychology to mental health. And I want to start you back on the sports psychology piece. So when you were a, you know, you said you were a competitive junior Olympic skier, which is impressive, you know, to say the least. What... What was that like? Did you work on the inner game? Did you work on your mental? How did you work from that perspective when you were an athlete? We did. I mean, not only do you obviously have to train and practice for the fitness, um, but also the mental part of it. I remember when we would go out to the course, so it was cross-country skiing. We would go out to the course in advance of a meet and we'd ski the course so that we'd know where the hills are, where the sharp turns are, the technical parts. And then we would spend evenings doing visualization Um, and our coach would talk us through, uh, the different parts of the course and have us breathe through it. And that was so incredibly helpful because then in the, on the race day, I could bring myself back to that visualization and calm my breathing down. When we'd go up over a hill, we'd practice in the mental visualization, put your thumb and forefinger together and now breathe deeply. And so I'd be in my tuck and I'd have my thumb and forefinger together and my body knew to go to that more relaxed state. Yeah, I, I love studying sports psychology. We talked about you know the book, The Inner Game of Tennis uh, during, during the break. And it's so much around that kind of conditioning stuff, creating habits, routines, finding ways to really shift your your inner state. Do you have any other suggestions for people about how they might bring that into their life? Yes. I mean, that is what the, um, I guess the motivation was for me in creating Thoughtfully Fit, because I realized that when people come into our coaching calls and they'd say, oh, I'm so frustrated. Okay, Darcy, I need to talk about my boss and how I can get him to just smile when we come in or how I can... I'm overwhelmed. And I just got an email asking if I would chair this committee and, uh, right. So they'd bring in whatever their challenges were. And 
what I found is there are direct parallels to your conditioning and how you respond in the moment to those obstacles that, that life presents us. I mean, you might not even see it as an obstacle, right? But things are happening. And if you react on autopilot, it doesn't really generally turn out so well. And so that's where we realized you can actually train and practice your mind to handle yourself thoughtfully and increase your chances of being able then to get back to doing what you do best instead of you know, putting all this energy into being angry that your boss isn't the way you think he should be and trying to change him or control him, which is exhausting and does not produce good results. You can train and condition your mind and say, how am I going to show up in this relationship so that I can get back to what I do best? Yeah, I think that's a really great way of looking at it. You know, from the therapy perspective, we call that uh, regression. Right. When someone gets thrown back into an old way of being, whether it be something from their childhood or a fight or flight reaction or a trauma response, something where they're just kind of shooting from the hip and acting off the cuff. And I think, you know, our work complements each other well because a therapist will help kind of unload that emotional baggage so that the triggers don't feel as intense. But I think it takes someone like you in this model to give them a new option, right? Like it's one thing to unload, but the next thing is like, okay, then what, right? Then what do you do um, when you're in a high pressure situation? That's perfect. And a lot of times people will say, so what's the difference between coaching and therapy? And I'm a huge fan of, of therapy and I've had a lot of therapists and I've also had a lot of coaches, mm -hmm. life coaches and business coaches and um, triathlon coaches. And you just bottom lined it beautifully. If we overly simplify it, you know, therapy helps you go back and, and heal and recover and process from things that have happened so that you can get to a functional life. Coaching isn't focused on the past. It's saying, okay, so you had some really tough stuff happen and here you are today. How do you want to be with this? And how do you want the future to look so that you can really get to that, to that fulfilled life? Absolutely. So what are some of the tenets of Thoughtfully Fit? I know you have the, the different um, skills. Can you run through them for our listeners? Yeah, so the, the research we found is that there are six main hurdles that get in the way of being high performing. Three are internal, where we get in our own way, and three are external, where we have challenges in relationship with other people. And um, so do you want me to just give a, a quick overview of those um, internal and external, Mark? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would so, be great. First one, there's so much to do, I can't even think. That is the hurdle, and they're all tied to a practice for Thoughtfully Fit, that's stillness. So not having enough stillness. Um, do you want me to rattle through them quickly or, or pause? Yeah, I think rattling through them. Yeah, perfect. And then we second can dive, one, dive in afterwards, yeah. Okay, great. Uh, second one, I don't always handle myself the way I'd like. Mm -hmm. That is the Thoughtfully Fit practice of strength, and which is being able to consciously choose how you show up instead of just being on autopilot and having a default. Uh, hurdle number three, I feel stuck. So clients would come in and say, oh, I'm stuck in this project. I'm stuck in this job and I can't figure out how to get to the next level. That's the thoughtfully fit practice of endurance, which is about being able to overcome those obstacles. Then hurdle number four, which is the first of the external is I'd be fine if only you were different. So trying to get somebody else to change and putting energy into being frustrated that they aren't the way you think they should be. So that's the practice and thoughtfully fit of flexibility, which is really being able to stretch to accept others just as they are. 
-hmm. Hurdle number five, I have relationships that don't work. So clients would come in and say, oh, okay, Darcy, I'm struggling with this uh, colleague or with my neighbor, with my spouse. That's the thoughtfully fit practice of balance, which is all about being able to um, balance what do you want and need with what I want and need so that we can find the win-win. And then the sixth hurdle is reacting poorly when blindsided. And so that's the thoughtfully fit practice of agility and being able to respond thoughtfully instead of reacting on autopilot. Yeah, I like how you lay that out. And I like the hurdle connection too, because as I was listening to you, like, yeah, I think that, I think you described every single therapy session I have. I think people come in with one of those six concerns. And of course, like the content, the nuances is, is different, but I think it, I think it's that, I think you, I think you got it. You um, know, it's interesting because it is the content, the nuance, the flavor, the players, the details yeah. is different, but you know, this is where I kept seeing like the, the, the problems are all the same and they all come back to one, uh, one of these six, some version of them. Yeah. And it's, it's really fascinating. It's, I think it's very true. I'm curious, it's kind of a tangential question. You know, on the show, it keeps coming up, this kind of great resignation thing, right? That is mm-hmm. happening in American culture. I think Western culture in general. Do you have a sense of which one of these skills is breaking down for people? Or what mm. you tend to see is people are looking at getting kind of like fed up with the system that they're in or with the job that they have, or, you know, they want more out of life. Yeah. You'll find when, when you start looking deeper into that play fit, that a lot of them overlap and that there's a little of this one and not having stillness creates overwhelm and judgment and not accepting others. Right. But I would say if I had to pick one, it's probably balance. And, and when relationships are out of balance, so people right now, employees are saying, Hey, I'm no longer going to over-function and going to work until all hours of the evening and have no work-life balance and not get paid well or appreciated. Ah, I don't need this. I'm out. And I think that's probably the one where the, the organizations that we work with who are focusing on employee engagement and retention and trying to create a culture where people, employees are not leaving, they are looking at the uh, the relationship through that lens of the win-win. It, it's, it's no longer like organization wins, you lose. You, you, you can't in today's day and, and, and um, you know, the reality that we're dealing with. And so being able to identify um, and design an alliance with the employees and with the boss. Like, how do you like to be appreciated? How do you like to receive feedback? Um, If things are getting tense and there's some conflict in our relationship, how do we want to handle that? So that you are not just um, hoping that things are fine. You're actually designing your alliance together to make sure that you have a container on how to handle tough stuff. Yeah. And I think what people don't get, or maybe what they're starting to get, is that that makes a more impressive bottom line, right? It's like you have people that are more engaged, that are loyal, that you don't have to retrain and pay money to hire new people and run them through the process again. There's less mistakes. You, you know, I work with a lot of leaders that seem, I think, similar to you. You can manage your people more effectively if you actually know what their psychology is rather than just guessing or treating everybody the same. So it, it ends up being a win win, but it yeah, does. Yeah. And, I, and I'm noticing a shift where I, we have a lot of organizations who are saying, okay, Darcy, can you help us um, create a culture where there is more work-life balance? I think they've come from a, pla- the, a place in the past where it's like, let's get all we can out of our employees. 
But now if your employees are run down and exhausted and overwhelmed, they're leaving. And so there is a, a, a desire to create a workplace where people aren't exhausted, where they're feeling fulfilled and appreciated and respected, and they're contributing to the mission of the organization in a healthy, balanced, boundaried way. Yeah, so I'm wondering from your work, if you could present us with a case study or an example of some changes that you've made in a workplace that have made it more balanced. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I would say, you know, we, we have a, there's a lot of, a lot of examples. So I'll just give one, one example of an organization that we're working with their executive uh, leadership team. We're doing some team coaching and what they're realizing is that the policies that they have in place are working against them having engaged employees who are feeling good for right so um 100% you have to be back in in person they made that decision because they're a manufacturing firm and yet they kept finding people were leaving and leaving so they started to look at why and doing some exit interviews and find out why are people leaving they're saying cuz I can be more effective if I'm I'm doing supply chain. I don't have to be sitting in the office exposing myself and be with a mask on. And and, and this isn't about anything political, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody makes their own best decision. But in this case, this executive leadership team had to realize that they were pushing so hard for production in order to be able to have a higher profit margin. They were losing people. And realizing that indeed, then they were missing deadlines and then customers are upset and they're saying, we're taking our business elsewhere. So they had to look at some of their internal policies and then ended up doing some training of their managers to be able to take more of a coaching approach in leading and managing instead of an autocratic approach where it's like top down, this is what you're going to do, coming in and taking a coaching approach where you're partnering with your employees and and asking them like, hey, here's what needs to get done. Here's the deadline. Here's what success looks like. How does that work for you? And what would it look like if you felt fully supported to meet that deadline, right? And sometimes people will think taking a coaching approach is soft or weak. It's not at all. It's extremely effective because people are bought in more. Yes, totally. And I think it takes, I love what you're talking about because I think it changes the values of the company. And it takes a level of humility from the executive team to be open to hearing feedback, right? To being like, you know, their employees being like, hey, I don't want to come to work like this office. I actually work better at home, but I work better at home than I do in the office. And it takes, I think, a very strong individual to be able to hear that and act on that non-judgmentally. Because the executives are connected to their office. They like the space they've created. They they think that their ideas are the best ideas, but they have to put that on the side and be like, okay, you know, let's listen to our people and give them a little bit of the power. Yeah. And, 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 and that's why, I mean, it's hard because you, you want people to, to be in person so that there's some synergy and you can, you know, talk when you're filling up your coffee and making your lunch and all of that. And yet if it's not working for your employees, you, you need to be able to listen and yeah, to redesign what it looks like so that it works on both sides. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic example. You know, before we go into our commercial break, I want to talk about one of the internal ones. Uh, so my background is in Buddhism. I did Buddhist psychology and studied that for a long time. So your thing of stillness, your kind of pillar really speaks to me. I'm curious, how do you work on with that with clients? How do you bring uh, stillness into their life? 
Yeah. So I want to have another conversation with you and your background, because there's so much I'm sure I could learn. <laughs> I, what I realized when I was training for triathlons and, and I was actually, when I was training for the Ironman, I, I kept getting injured and I wasn't getting faster. And so I'm like, okay, what am I doing wrong? I got to work out harder. I got to do more. And that just contributed to me getting more injured and to having ultimately then, you know, being slower. And so any athlete who's a peak performer knows that you need to take recovery days. You, you don't lift weights two days in a row. You, your muscles rebuild stronger on the rest days. That's the same in our lives. If you want to be thoughtfully fit and handle these challenges and these relationships well, you have to create stillness. You need to be able to slow down and quiet the mind. And that's kind of counterintuitive for those of us who are like type A or double A personalities. Yeah, totally. Right. I mean, just kind of you talk about with your story and I certainly fell into the same trap of just working to just be busy because I thought that was the productive way, right? Not being efficient and then burning out, making mistakes, letting balls drop, taking on too much. I mean, it goes on forever. But I, I think it's like, you know, when you say, hey, you got to rest between lifting weights, that makes sense. But when you say, say hey, you got to rest between sending out intense emails, people need to make that that jump, right? Of It, it is the same thing. It is. And and when, when I was being challenged to have create more stillness in my life, because I ended up with stage three adrenal fatigue syndrome, I was scared I'd be less productive. I'd be less efficient. Oh my gosh, exactly the opposite happened. I was more present. I was more strategic. I was more connected than when I was running through the day, you know, sending out email after email after meeting and not having any buffers in my calendar and not having any downtime. Yeah. Um, so I work with a lot of men and I use a lot of kind of like mythological metaphor. The metaphor used for this is this idea of being a barbarian axe thrower, right? Just like throwing axes, chopping everything, just going crazy versus being a samurai, which is just one cut, right? And they both get it done, but the samurai has grace, knows exactly where to cut, knows the perfect amount of force and is way more efficient. And there's, there's, there's a beauty to that. There's a beauty to that single cut to get the thing done. That's a beautiful metaphor. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So we're going to move into our commercial break here. Uh, in the final statement, we're going to talk to you directly about how you can you know, assess yourself on these, about where you might start if you want to become more thoughtfully fit. So stay tuned and you'll get something from Darcy on the other side of the break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, 
visit mark-azoulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azoulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.teachable.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcasts. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel with a replay of the show Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to our final segment here. And Dorothy, you were talking during the break about the core of the Thoughtfully Fit model, which, if I'm not mistaken, is a pause, think, and act. And what I like about that is that not only are these principles, but they're practices. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about that and how they might integrate, you know, strengthen their core in their mental? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so as we play out this, this metaphor of being physically fit, if you have a strong core physically, every movement's easier you're less likely to get injured, whether you want to go play basketball or cross-country skiing, or you just want to put your own suitcase up on the, you know, overhead bin by yourself. So in the same way, the, the thoughtfully fit has a core. And when you can engage your core, you are more likely to um, handle yourself thoughtfully. Your, your relationships feel easier and you're, you're less likely to have conflict or do something that you regret. And so, yep, it, you, you named it. It's three simple steps. Step one, you have to pause. And that's critical because that's what gets you off of autopilot from just reacting in the moment. That sets you up to do step two, which is to think. And that is where you ask yourself some thoughtful questions to create some new awareness. I designed this model because I wanted people to be able to coach themselves. And that's what I do when I'm coaching people, I'm asking them thoughtful questions. And then step three is to act thoughtfully based on the new awareness you have from taking a moment to pause and think. Yeah. So what are some barriers to think getting the people in the way of people from engaging their core? Barriers? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Oh yeah. I mean, for 
your fans who are listening, most of them will relate probably to one that is most natural, one they do best. Mm -hmm. So some of you who are listening, you might be really good at the pause. That is your superpower. And our strengths taken to the extreme can become a weakness. So that pause might turn into a five-hour Netflix binge, and it might turn into avoidance. (laughs) Some of you maybe are really good at thinking, and you can sort of step into a critical analysis and come up with options A, B, and C. But then you think, and you think, and you overthink, and you get analysis paralysis. And then there's others of you who are listening who are really good at acting. Like, you get stuff done. That is your superpower. But maybe you're so good that you act impulsively and then you overreact and then you have to clean up the mess to right that you that you made from acting too quickly. And so the key is to be able to recognize which is your default and then build in the other two steps because that you do all three in order, wash, rinse, repeat. So that was a long answer to your question of what's the biggest obstacles. It depends on what your strength is and what your default is, where the obstacle is for you. Yeah, I really like you making that connection. I wouldn't have thought of it that way. And it's really fascinating to see how what could be good things and are good things can get overaccentuated, right? And I think people can relate to any of those patterns as kind of avoidant patterns. And what I'm hearing from you is it's about balancing those, balancing, pausing, thinking, and acting, and cycling through them effectively that helps build out the other six qualities. That's right. And and then also, um, you know, you, you're not going to do 20 sit-ups once a month and have a strong core. Mm-hmm. You have to be consistent and train and practice. So in the same way, pause, think, act multiple times throughout the day. If someone cuts you off in traffic, instead of like, you know, giving them the finger and getting all angry, you just you pause in the moment and think, do I really want to put my energy into being angry at this person and have possible road rage? Maybe you do, but maybe you want to make a different choice and act and just be like, ah, you know, wave them in. Or you get that email instead of hitting reply all quickly in a moment of anger, you take a moment to pause and to think, huh? this is really not like him. And he's kind of critical and edgy. And maybe you act and you pick up the phone and say, Hey, just got your email. Just wondering what's going on. It, it, it seemed like there was something, uh, you know, you're, you're angry about how are things. Mm-hmm. So you do it. And then after you have acted, then you can pause again to think, how did that go? And do I need to adjust and then act again? Yeah. So I think what you brought up there is really critical. Uh, we said in the beginning about consistency, right? Just like an exercise program, you got to get those reps in, you got to practice, and you got to be consistent. What would you recommend for someone that's working on consistency, right? I mean, maybe they get excited about the program, they do it for two weeks, and then they drop off. How would you encourage them to keep going? So, you know, if you want to be consistent, figure out what's motivating to you and how you get support. I, for instance, I like to be physically fit and left to my own accord, I hit snooze. So I know that being on a triathlon team and having a coach helps me to achieve my goals. Figure out what it is that's motivating for you and how you can design some support and accountability for yourself to be able to continue to train and practice and engage your core and and pause, think, act. 
Um, that to me is what's going to help you to continue to do it. And, and if somebody, you know, recognizes that, um, you, uh, you, you want support, it doesn't mean you have to hire a coach, right? You can just have an accountability buddy and a friend to say, Hey, I want to do this more. I tend to overreact. Could you, could you point out to me if I, if I know, if you notice that, or could we set up a Friday call to, to chat through how it's going? You know, it comes back to community so often on this show and it's, you know, steps I'm taking in my businesses to move towards, you know, therapeutic and emotional support community development, because I think that is critical. And I loved your analogy of the triathlon team, because it's, you have your race partners, you have your coach, you have this constant check-in and this constant structure that you can always fall back on if you need. What do you think are some good qualities of a healthy community? I'm curious. A healthy community, a healthy oh. community, right? That fosters yeah. growth, whether that be physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. Yeah, I mean, to me, a healthy community is it. It accepts people for who they are, how they are, instead of trying to convince you to be something that you're that you're not. Right. So you can show up fully. You can be authentic. You can be vulnerable. You can be yourself, and you aren't judged. You aren't ridiculed. You aren't shamed. You you might show up fully as yourself and have goals and visions and play things you're working on to improve and to be different. But I think you need to be the expert in your own life and in a community where you go in and someone else is, is telling you and they're the expert. I don't know. I don't think that's to, to me, that's not sustainable for the long term. It might be for the short term, but the place that you make the greatest change is when you are bought into the changes you want to make. And you're the expert in your life. You know where you get in your own way. So I think that's one thing that's really critical in a, in a strong community. Yeah, I'd imagine the other options like a cult, right? If there's just right. like a, a big leader telling you who to be and what it requires to fit in. Yeah, that can get real dangerous. Absolutely. And, and also, so cult or, you know, if you come in and somebody says, well, this is what you have to do um, and follow my directions, you don't have any ownership and you're not learning and, and self-reflecting. And so then if what you do doesn't work. You get to go back and be a victim and say, well, I did it. Now what? To me, I'm always looking to coach somebody out of it, coach myself out of job, right? So, so like, I, I do not want to create dependence. I want you to be building these muscles, these mental muscles so that you can handle those hurdles thoughtfully yourself instead of having to be like, oh, I got to call Darcy. I don't know what to do. No, that's not it at all. Right. You don't need to be, I mean, kind of the model I use is that you don't need to be like the hub of the wheel, right? Where every connects to you, right? It's about creating a net. A community is a net where people are connecting with each other. There isn't really a clear center and it's stronger that way, right? Yeah. It doesn't all have to channel through a leader or through an authority. Yes, absolutely. And Having said that, I think sometimes like why I am in some communities where I could just ask a friend to help hold me accountable. I'm in some communities where there is a leader, there is a guide, there is a coach, because I know then I'm, I am going to get that structure and that accountability that I'm craving, but it's not in a way that I am not being accepted for who I am and how I show up and being able to focus on what my goals are. Yeah. And I think, you know, you talked about a little bit about transformative leadership and a big part of that is reducing hierarchy. So this idea that there is a leader, but their job, just like you said, is to create the structure and to hold the timelines and to hold the vision. Doesn't mean they're particularly better or worse than the other member, but they just have a role, right? And their role and their role is those leadership tasks. 
Yes. And I coach a lot of leaders who one of their biggest shifts they make is going from having to fix problems and solve and give advice to um, coaching and saying, okay, yeah. So, so Mark, you're coming to me with this problem. You're having with Sue again. And I noticed that that's a, an ongoing problem. What's getting in the way of, of you having a good relationship with Sue and what, what might it look like if you felt really good and how, um, could you address the obstacles, right? And you're coaching the person so that they, cause they're the expert in their life and then designing, uh, action and accountability. What are you going to do now? based on the new awareness you're having and how do you want to design, how do you want to be accountable instead of here's what you're going to do now. And I need you to tell me when you've done it. Right. Because that's exhausting for leaders. And burns people out. So as as you're wrapping up here, I'm curious. So some of the things we've had on on the the Slack community on, you know, some emails or people that are in the great resignation, we've we've mentioned them a little bit during this uh, that are fed up with the system that want to leave that are just want something new for themselves. What would you tell that person if they walked into your office? The person what advice would you give them? Yeah, the person who is about to quit their job. Yeah. Well, I mean, so pause. Uh, just hit the pause button. Don't react. Don't overreact. And 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 think. Um, what would it look like if I stayed and it got better? What would that take? What would it look like if I left and life got better? To be able to ask yourself some thoughtful questions and then act intentionally. So I would use that core to help them to create that new awareness and take a step forward. That's going to get them to the vision of what they want. I think that's great. I think it speaks to a lot of people out there right now. So thanks for being on the show. The hour went by really, really fast. It was a really incredible, fun conversation, playful, um, emotional. Tell people where they can find you if they want to learn more about you and Thoughtfully Fit. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. So DarcyLoma.com is my uh, website that has all sorts of resources and videos and thoughtfully fit tips. And then if anybody's curious about what your biggest hurdle is, we talked about those six. If you go to thoughtfullyfit.com, you can take a free two minute quiz and it'll tell you your biggest hurdle and then some strategies on how to overcome those hur- that hurdle. Same strategies that I use with my own clients and that I use in my own life as well. Great. Well, thanks again for being on the show. For those listening out there, if you got something out of it, please share the podcast. Give us a five-star Apple review. We're trying to work on building that number up. It really helps you know, get this message out to other people. And yeah, if you want to be thoughtfully fit, check out Darcy. Check out what she's doing. Um, I already asked her for some materials, so my clients will be getting some stuff around thoughtfully fit. I think it's a really great and very clear model to help people become stronger um, mentally. So thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much. Great to be here, Mark. Okay, and see you on another week of From the Ashes. Take care. Thank you for joining host Mark Azoulay on From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Meet Triumph and Defeat and treat those two imposters the same.